All right, so let's get into our final teaching on Make Room for God. Uh, we've been talking about the ethos, the characteristic spirit of a culture or community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations. And maybe you're getting tired of hearing it, I don't know, but I still want to just hit the core, core values of Gen U, and that is we're multi-generational. Just last Sunday, we had, we had a baby dedication in here. We had four generations of that family present in the service that make this their church home. Uh, and so it's just, we're multi-generational. We're experiential in our worship. We're balanced. We try to be balanced in our preaching and our teaching. Um, you know, and, and to speaking, speaking to that piece of this, there are a lot of fads and trends that blow in and out of the church world in America. And, and you know, we, we try not to just bounce with every fad that pops in here. We try to kind of stay in the middle of the road and teach a balanced perspective of the gospel message, a balanced perspective, a biblical Pentecostal message. And so that's kind of something that we strive to do. Uh, we're all about restoration, as we talked about last week, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Nobody has to fight alone. Uh, you know, we're talking about global missions. What we're doing with KSA is global. It's a part of global missions. We, we're helping uh, Latin American child care. We have 40, I think it's 48 different missionaries and ministries that we support around the world. And, uh, and not just in, but also here in our community as well. So we're about that. And then we're also talking about spiritual and community formation, which centers in biblical literacy. And what we've done during this series and what I've talked to you about is how the vision statement of Generations United kind of drives everything and how hopefully you're seeing who we are and knowing a little bit more about who this church is. But Generations United is a family-oriented community of faith where anyone at any stage of life can experience the dynamic presence of God. Our commitment to love, acceptance, and forgiveness allows God to bring people to wholeness through restoration and spiritual formation. So we've broken this down over the last four weeks, and today's the fifth week. We've talked about a family-oriented community of faith. We've talked about how anyone at any stage of life can experience God. Our commitment to love, acceptance, and forgiveness is, is the avenue to into a wholeness. And then today we're going to, and we talked about restoration and wholeness last week. And so today as we close out the series, I want to kind of unpack the whole idea of spiritual and community formation. For years, for years we looked at spiritual formation and community formation as two separate things. Uh, we, we would do classes. We had Sunday school classes back in the day, and, and then we would move them to Wednesday nights, and we would do them at this different time. But spiritual formation was a standalone thing. Discipleship, training, whatever you want to call it, was a separate thing. And then if we did stuff, we called them fellowship nights, or uh, we, had, we had life groups here at one point, but it was a separate deal. And so we had this attitude, and I say we, I'm just specifically speaking about Gen U now. That we had this attitude that we're a church that does small groups. And, and we also had spiritual formation. The problem with that is that, that that idea, that concept, that model doesn't work long term. Because it's something, it, small groups, community becomes something that you try to do. And it's a program driven thing. So we had to rec recognize that that is not something that works long term. And so, and I told you in the first teaching of this series that we had become a church that was extremely friendly, but almost impossible to connect in. If you didn't already have friends here, it was really hard to connect. And I talked about how 
I don't know, for over a few months, I had 15 or 16 people that would run into, I run into in Walmart or at the restaurant or something. They say, aren't you the pastor? Yes. Oh, man, we love the preaching. We love the, the music. Uh, but we decided to just go to church over here or go to church over there. And after a couple of months of that and about 15 people asking me that, I just said, making that statement, I said, okay. I told Kim, I'm just going to start asking. If you love the preaching and you love the music, why aren't you staying? And so the first person that I asked that to kind of, kind of took them back because, you know, most people don't ask why. But they said, I was at Chick-fil-A. Guy come up behind me. He said, aren't you the pastor at Generations United? Yes, I am. He said, man, we love the church. We love the music. We love the teaching. But we decided to go to church over here. And so I said, okay, let me just ask you. That's a great church. I'm glad you're plugged in. But if you love the preaching and you love the music, Why? And over, and he said this to me, and then over, the, over the, the few weeks after that, I ran into a number of other people that said the exact same thing. We couldn't find a way to connect. Community is important to us, and we couldn't find a way to connect. And so I came back to the staff, and we started working in the elders and the director. We started praying about this, and we literally changed the way we go about community. We're no longer a church that does small groups we are becoming a church of small groups. We broke it down. We're going to get it, the community aspect of Generations United Church is a core value of who we are. It's not something that we do anymore. It's who we are and who we're becoming. And I encourage you, we're going to talk about this in, in, in detail today. But I, I say all of that to tell you this, that spiritual formation and community doesn't happen separately doesn't happen separate. There are people today that, that they, this is their attitude about, about church. And that is, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I, I used to say, yeah, that's true. I just don't know that that's true anymore. I don't know that that's really accurate biblically. Because what we see biblically is community. God's people together in community. There's a thread from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about being together. It's all about coming together. That's how we do life. That's how we overcome adversity. That's how we do. The, the, the one thing that we've learned from nature is this, that if you can cut out someone from the herd, then that person that's been cut out or that animal that's been cut out from the herd becomes fair game and is easy pickings for predators. You know, and I, you, you've seen all the films on, on Nat Geo and everything else, you know, and you get, you get these little bison out in Yellowstone that get separated away from the rest of the bison herd, and then the next thing you know, here are the wolves or the grizzlies, and the little, the little one that's been cut away is dead. It ends their life. It's not different. It's not any different for us as human beings because we may not have grizzly bears and, and, and wolves in the backyard. Uh, we have coyotes in the backyard. But the thing about it is, what you do have is an enemy that wants to destroy you. His entire reason for existence is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible talks about and describes him as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't come in and try to devour you in a crowd like this. What he tries to do is separate you. If he can cut you out of the herd, he can cut you away from the community of faith, if he can cut you away from your community, then the enemy can attack you and bring you down, even if he does it a little bit at a time. The importance of this, and you say, well, what does that have to do with spiritual formation? It has everything to do with spiritual formation. Because together we can be unified. Ecclesiastes talks about one person standing alone, that, that, that they're fair game, but two people can keep each other warm, and a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. 
What is that all about? It's about community, having people in your life that's there. And I know we're, you know, we're two years into this COVID thing and, and, and all this, and we're, you know, we're going through this latest deal and all that. And, and you go, well, oh, I don't want to get the, I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to get the COVID. Well, I don't, nobody wants to get the COVID. Nobody wants to get the flu either, which I think we've eradicated from the face of the planet. Because <laughs> never hear anything about it unless it's that, what's it called? The, the flurona stuff. I'm just going, now they're just pulling stuff out of a hat in an office somewhere. You know, let's name it this. You know, we're naming winter storms. What is the deal with that? Winter storm, Gertrude coming through. You know, we've been naming hurricanes for years. I guess the winter storms got lonely and needed a name. I don't know what the deal is. But it's the same way with this stuff. It's the same way with everything. And, but what's happened is this, that we, we went into, whether you call it quarantine or lockdown or whatever you call it. I know some people don't like the word quarantine. Not my word. It's what the government used. It's all over CDC's website. Whatever we used, we, we were separated for a season. We were separated for a season. But look how long it's taken. And, and studies are now, the data is now coming in that shows us that 28 to 30% of people that went into lockdown have never returned, nor will they. That's a huge number of people. You look at Generations United Church pre-COVID, and I stand up here every Sunday and I look across this place, and I can tell you the face of Generations United Church has changed in the last two years. It's a vastly different face than what it was pre-COVID because people have not come back. But you, you're new, you're in here, you've made this your church home. We have a different group of people here now. There's some that were here pre, but not nearly as many as there is post. But God, the enemy is using that to separate people out. And you say, well, I get to watch it from home and that's great and that's wonderful. And you know what? I haven't even got to my notes yet. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with this. People are watching, and I'm glad that you're tuning in today, and I'm glad you're watching it on the internet, and I'm glad we can do this for you, but here's what you need to understand. That's not church. That's not church. It may be the only thing that you can do because of your situation, but for some, and for some of you, it's become an excuse not to gather. And I love you, but I would be remiss as your pastor if I didn't tell you this today. Staying at home and watching in your pajamas and drinking coffee is not church. Now, you can wear your pajamas up here if you need to, as long as they're decent. <laughs> you know? And we got coffee out in the foyer. And the seats are pretty nice. But even that's not the point. The point is we're formed spiritually when we come together. Look at the model. Let me get to my notes. <laughs> Acts 2. Acts 2. I haven't had a jaunt like that in a while. That felt good. <laughs> Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, this is the model. This is the biblical model of church. This is the New Testament church. Just 
in fledgling form. It's in its infancy. And here we go. Here's the, here's the characteristics that the New Testament church had in the book of Acts. They made room for God. They made room for God in what? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship. They had meals together. As a matter of fact, it's interesting in these few verses here, meals together is mentioned two times. Meals together. Food. The theology of food. There's a theology of food that God put in place. Prayer. We're in the middle of 20, or coming to the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Together. The word together is mentioned three times in this passage. That's a clue, people. That's a clue that we're supposed to be what? Together. Together. Talked about their generosity. And then it says something that none of us, I don't know that, that any of us ever really think about it. It says this, that every day they went to church. Every single day. Now, we just go to church on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Hour 15 minutes on Sunday morning, hour and 15 minutes on Sunday night, two and a half hours a week. But yet, the New Testament church went every single day. Anybody got room in their calendar for that? But yet, they did this. This is the model. This is what I'm saying. You say, well, Phil, are you going to ask us to come to church every day? No, I'm not. I'm just simply saying... Being together and being in community is a part of the model of the New Testament church. Let's talk about spiritual formation. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, so what does that involve? Okay, John 8 tells us this. Jesus speaking, he said, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. You will know the truth. Do you know that 31%, only 31% of Christians in America believe that the Bible is true? I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about 31% of people that go to church on Sundays, or at least Christmas and Easter, believe that the Bible is true. 31%. Now, if you're 70 years of age and older, it's 52%. What does that tell us? That tells us that there's two generations in there that are losing and getting away from the reality of Scripture. Why are, we, why are we concerned? Why am I concerned? Why are, as a staff and directors and elders, why are we concerned about biblical literacy at Generations United Church? Because biblical literacy is the problem, or the lack thereof is the problem. People don't know the Bible. Even people in churches don't know the Bible because it's the least used book in the house. Or the least used app on your phone. A lot of people have the little, the little verse of the day. Yeah, I read my Bible every day. One verse. Pops up on your phone. Mm, yeah, okay, done. Boom, check that box. I'm done. Move on. But look at this, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking. This is probably why we don't read a lot of it. Because we don't want to be rebuked. Then it says, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is God-breathed. It is the, the word of God breathed through human beings as they penned it and put it down on paper. It is God's word to us. And the scripture is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuking when our lifestyles get out of whack. It's useful for correcting when we start straying a little bit. And it's good for training in righteousness so that we're equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12 goes a little deeper. It says the word of God is alive 
and active. It's not dead letter. The Bible's not just an app on your phone that's technologically driven. I'm telling you, the Word of God is something that as you read it, gets inside of you and does something in you. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That goes back to the correcting and rebuking piece. When our thoughts get out of whack and our attitudes of the heart begin to get a little bit skewed, we stay in the Word of God. The Word of God brings us back into alignment with God's will and way for our life. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. But even if we didn't have those two passages, just the next one, Psalm 119.11, is the only one that we really need to understand the importance of God's word. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. No, but Phil, I just love, if we could just sing for 55 minutes on Sunday morning, just let Charlie sing for 55 minutes. Charlie would be a tired little worship pastor. But the other side of it is that you will not grow through that. We just need to worship God. Okay, I'm totally there. But first, it's the word. We just need more of the gifts operating in our lives. No, you need the word. The gifts will come as you get in the word. The worship will come as you get in the word. It is the word of God that keeps you from sin. It's not worship. It's not prayer. It's not fellowship. It's not anything else. It is the word of God that sustains us from when sin begins to tempt us. It is the word of God that keeps us from failing. It is the word of God that changes us from the inside out into the image of God, not prayer. And I love prayer. We just had the greatest two or two nights of prayer uh, teaching that I have ever heard in my life. I've, I've never heard anything like it. Revolutionized my whole way of thinking about prayer. But prayer doesn't sustain you in times of adversity. It is the word of God. Your word have I hid in my... If we didn't have any other verse but that one, that's enough to tell us what? We need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible. Psalm 119.9, same, same, same chapter. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? By reading the word of God, we realize that God is the God of our journey. He said in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. He's the God of my journey. Romans 12, 2 tells me that he's the God that renews my mind, that I'm not conformed to the pattern of the world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I know what God's approved, perfect will is. Ephesians 4 tells me that the Bible says that God is the God who teaches me how to live. Now listen to this. This is a long passage, but I need to read it today. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Remember, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It'll set you free. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. Wow, there's novel. If you're stealing stuff, stop. That's the Bible. 
but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any, un let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You'll know the truth, the truth as to how God intends for his children to live. By reading the Bible, you understand, and being biblically literate, you understand that God is the God of your finances. Bring the whole, whether you agree with tithing or not, but listen to this. This is, this is a promise from God. If you tithe, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food there. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will even prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. He's the God of your finances. He's the God of your family. Well, you got to show me that one, Phil. Okay, I'll do it. Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Just in the last three minutes, I have given you reason after reason after reason after reason to become biblically literate. Now, maybe you've, you've read the Bible from cover to cover for years and years and years and years, and maybe you know it frontwards and backwards. That's great and that's wonderful. Are you living it? Do you know the truth in a way that's changing you as a person? And then let's talk about community. You see, because when, when we read the book of Ephesians, remember what it said? Don't steal, work, doing something useful so that you have something to share with those in need. What's that about? Helping people in the community. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up so that others may benefit as they listen to you. Well, you got to be with people if they're going to listen to you, right? I'll start a blog. I'll do a podcast so I don't have to connect with people. No, it doesn't work that way. Those are great and they're wonderful. But the greatest influence you're going to have over people to move people from a negative place in faith to a positive place in faith is if you get to know them and you begin to speak into their lives and you let them into yours. Because community is the heart of God. Community is at the very heart of God. Fellowship. We're just talking about Acts 2, this four verses, four or five verses there. Acts 2, meals together. Together is mentioned three times in there. They went to church, all these things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We've learned some things down through the years, and I mentioned these in week one of this series, but I want to hit them again before we close here. Because here's the thing you've got to understand. Community doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't happen by accident. You've got you to engage. You gotta, you've got to put your, your foot. You know, remember the old saying, if you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly? You know, if you want to have people in your life, then you've got to invite people in your life. It doesn't happen through osmosis. There's a lot of friends that we have in our life that we probably wouldn't have if it was left up to me because I'm just this weird introvert guy. 
But because my wife is outgoing and she's a social butterfly, we have a lot of wonderful people in our life because she connects with them. And she's helped me. You know one of the most difficult things that I do as a pastor? It's very hard. It's to walk around on Sunday mornings talking to people that I don't know and standing out the door and, and shaking hands with all of you people. That's not me. That's not me. I like to go in a hole, pull the hole in after me. That's me. That's me. You say, well, how can you do what you do and be a pastor if you're that much of an introvert? Listen, I'm, I'm such an introvert that the, 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 the uh, counselor that was doing my Myers-Briggs the last time I took it was the third or fourth time over a few years that we took it in class. She said, if I give this to you one more time, you're going to disappear. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, what I do on this platform is, is because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't, I, look, I failed speech in college. Seven people in class couldn't give a three-minute speech. Why? Because I had to stand up in front of people and talk. But yet, look what I do every day. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And I greet you because I love you. And because my wife tells me, you need to be nice to people. <laughs> and I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Community doesn't happen accidentally. Community doesn't happen on Sundays. This is not, this, this is not, this is not how you form community. This is, a, this is a crowd. This is a crowd. But you want to inroad into community? Notice how I work this into the sermon today. The expo is after church. Sign up for small groups. You must engage. You've got to connect in a small group, you know, We've had folks that have tried, to, I just want to lead a small group. Well, listen, here's, here's the problem with leading a small group if you've never been in a small group. You don't know anybody, and nobody knows you. People don't connect with the topic nearly as quickly as they, as they connect with someone that they know that's teaching something. You could be teaching underwater basket weaving, and if people know you, they're going to come listen to you because they're connecting to you. They connect to you. And then don't quit. Don't quit. Paul said to Timothy, he said this, what you've heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We know what we're supposed to do. We know the deposit that's been placed in us. Guard it. Guard it. But then look at this. Look at this. Let's close. This is kind of the, the end of this deal. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Generations United, we need to make room for God in our spiritual and our community formation. Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop. Be safe. Do whatever you can do. If you, if you, if you have anxiety surrounding COVID, I get that, okay? I understand. That's you, okay? I get it. But as soon as you can, return to community. But you have to return. 
we're not going to go to your house and drag you out in the yard in your pajamas and put you in the church bus. You have to re-engage. You have to re-engage. If you've got health issues and there's, you know, and you're, I get that, okay? But if you don't, come back to community. Come back where you can be formed spiritually because I'm telling you straight up that God is my witness that watching church on TV is not the same thing as being a part of a community of faith. We are formed spiritually as we are formed in community. We need each other. Encourage each other. What did he say? What did he say there? Encourage one another. Encourage one another, especially now that every's return is drawing near. This was written 2,000 years ago, and they were concerned about how soon he was coming back. Do you think it's a little closer now? Yes. Jesus is coming back. We need to be encouraging people to plug in. We can't let people get cut out of the herd. If you know someone that is, begin to call them. Yeah, but they get mad at me. Call them anyway. Call them anyway. Love them enough to say, hey, we'd like to have you back. We'd, have to have, we'd love to have you back. Everybody okay? Yes. Let's stand. You know I love you, right? <laughs> I know. It's always scary when someone says that because they, you feel like they're going to open you up like a Christmas turkey. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I love you. I love you dearly. I love you dearly. And Kim and I do, and we just we want you to be a part of this community. Our staff, our elders, our directors, we all want you engaged. We want you connected. We want you to be a part. Generations United is a family-oriented community of faith where anyone at any stage of life can experience the dynamic presence of God. Our commitment to love, acceptance, and forgiveness allows God to bring people to wholeness, to restoration, and spiritual formation. We hope that you'll embrace that vision, that mission. You'll make it a part of who you are and that you'll get involved in facilitating it to those that we come in contact with. Amen? Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Tommy's going to come, and I hope that you'll plug in with Expo, uh, After Party, KSA. We've got a whole bunch of stuff coming down the pipe. But let's say the Lord's Prayer together, and then Tommy will close us out. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you, Jenny. We love you. Thank you.